you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. Tell us about your journey. Like, how do you go from the Green Berets to the National Football League? For people in the football world, I was essentially the general manager for Special Forces. I ran our selection process, our draft, our combine. Football is a tactical sport. It's about game planning. It's about scheme. It's about decision making. And when you think about a player, sometimes we just think of, well, will he boom or bust? But we don't realize sometimes they can be a grenade and they can Mm, take others out with them. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson, joined by former head coach Brian Billick. Coach, what's going down? How you doing? We're in the real deal now, aren't we? This is is the playoff time. This is getting fun. This is the tournament, man. Let's go. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, we're talking to Colts Director of Team Development, Brian Decker, who has a fascinating story about going from being a Green Beret on the battlefield to the NFL front office. And coach, I was so excited about the level of depth when he goes into evaluating players, man, I mean, he talks to everybody. He, you know, he he talks to the player and he takes the player's words and, 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 and he uses it to make his evaluations, man. I love it, man. Well, those that are smart enough to listen to our podcast, Mike, I tell you what, this is a special one because this young man is giving us a glimpse into the future of the NFL. He had some great perspective, some great insights in terms of where we're heading in terms of the development of our players and what we're doing as a league. Let's bring in Brian Decker. Brian, welcome to the TA Podcast, The Locker Room. First of all, we start every show, okay, with a locker room story or a draft room story or something behind the scenes that the fans don't usually get to hear. What do you got for us today? Uh, you know, my most memorable moment would be uh, 2018, our first playoff victory here in Indy. Um, to go back a little bit, I have to set the stage. In 2018, we have 11 draft picks. Uh, it's, it's an extremely young team. We end yeah. up leading the league uh, in snaps by our rookie class. We get two first-team All-Pros out of that rookie class. and But that's not enough. The team, we started the season one and five. 
And I think we were the third team ever to start the season one and five and make the playoffs. And then I remember, you know, once we got into the playoffs, we won that first game. And I just remember the locker room. We had essentially been playing playoff football for months. Yeah. And I, I remember coach going around and coach is a kind of a, a more of a low key personality, but he's going around, he's dapping the players up. Everybody's dapping one another up. And, you know, it was just, I think that was a great accomplishment for a very, very young team. And that sticks out to me as probably my greatest memory so far. Absolutely, man. I mean, playoff wins. I mean, that's everything. Or oh, getting to the playoffs. That's everything that gives you an opportunity to win a championship. But let, let's get right into this, man. Like, Tell us about your journey. Like, how do you go from the Green Berets to the National Football League? Again, I was doing my research on you before the show, and it was so fascinating that your journey led you to the National Football League. Could you could you go into it for us? Yeah, so obviously I spent 22 years in the military. Uh, I was a special forces officer, and my last three years in the military, I was the commander of assessment selection. And for people not in the military, that really doesn't mean much. No, but for people in the football world, I was essentially the general manager for special forces. I ran our selection process, our draft, our combine, our hiring process. Everybody that went in special forces for those three years went through my course. And um, one of the things that we value in special forces or the thing that makes us elite, it's not our athletic traits. I mean, we are great endurance athletes. We have you have all different types. What makes us great is our mindset and our makeup. And we really do, we put a lot of time and effort into getting the whole person, you know, assess the whole person. Mm-hmm. And it's called the whole person concept. And so while I was at assessment selection, the Browns came in for a visit. And for me, that was just another visit. We we would get foreign dignitaries, we would get uh, Fortune 500 companies, but a sports team showed up that day and uh, they wanted to know how we select Green Berets. What was our methodology? And they was really they were really honing in on on that character and makeup piece and how we were identifying that. And uh, that that interaction went well. And we had a reciprocal visit back to the Browns. And uh, when I went up there, I, I got a chance to talk to everybody. And the last person I talked to before I left the building was was Joe Banner. Yeah. And, and what Joe said was Joe basically made a pitch and he said, um, listen, we miss on, on 50% of first rounders. And by miss, what he means is it's not that they don't play in the league, but they don't have the impact that that position warrants. Mm. And he said, he goes, I don't think it's because we don't understand the talent or how to translate their performance. He said, we're missing on the person. And I said, Joe, listen, anybody that tells you they can solve that problem is lying to you because that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. But I did believe that with better methods and better methodology and using that information to make better decisions, we could be just a little bit better than everybody else. And my and my way of putting it is, what if we're five to 10% better than everyone else? That's a lot you, at an elite level. That's a lot. And you, and you can and you can pound that over time. Maybe that's a, you're hitting on a draft pick or two more uh, every, every couple of years. And so I end up there, but, you know, there was a regime change before I got there. But long story short, I got a chance to go there. And, you know, Ray Farmer and the Browns, they gave me my education into the league. And because, you know, I had I understood my my special forces background, that piece really, really well. And that experience, I knew what was important there. But I had to learn what it looked like in a football environment. And that and that took me a couple of years. Yeah. Um, 
Brian, to tell you what, it's it's fabulous to listen to you because it's interesting coming from your background. When you say regime change, it means a little something different than the yeah. So uh, hopefully it was a little less uh, uh, physical, a little less violent than the ones you're used to. I've got to ask you this, though, and I've been blessed and fortunate to, to go overseas a couple of times and spend some time with the troop. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated in, in your perspective in that one of the things that jumped out at me when I was able to go to Baghdad and visit with these young troops, they were so mission driven. These young people, I'm talking about 18, 19, 20 year old young people and to visit with them and to hear uh, their commitment to the mission. Talk a little bit about, because I'm sure that's a, a bit of what you're talking about, identifying those traits, and then connecting that once you have them to get these people to, within the organization or obviously in the military to develop that kind of, you know, uh, mission-centric kind of approach. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the frameworks I use to understand or explain it, there was actually a really good book written about it. It's called The Mission, The Men, and Me. And that's really kind of how you prioritize everything. The Everything we do in the military, it, it has a mission. There's, there's a mission there. We are unified in purpose in trying to achieve that. Each of us have a clearly defined role in that. And, you know, and as a leader, not only did I have to ensure that we accomplished our mission, but I'm also responsible for the welfare of my men. You know, I've got to make sure that not only we go over there and do the things that we need to do, but that I can bring them home safely. And then the last thing you worry about is yourself. And, 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 you know, to me, that's the cost of leadership. It's self-interest, right? Yeah. You got, it's, it's, it's about, it's about, it's about what you can get others to do. And so, you know, leadership is a huge, huge, I think, component of it, but you're also asking people to do really difficult things. You know, I mean, how many people are willing to raise their right hand for a cause that during wartime that, you know, could ultimately cost you your life? And and then once you get there, actually follow through on that. I mean, so they are special individuals. And, and when you get into special forces, uh, which is beyond like the regular military, I mean, you're looking at a small unit. It's only 12 men. It's only 12 men. And it's kind of like the football. You hear the football at 111th, right? Yeah. Well, it's one, it's yeah. one twelfth in, the, in, in, in special forces. And nobody can carry anyone else's load. Everybody, we all share a core set of competencies, but then everybody specialized no different than positions. And we all bring skills to the table. And my big thing was, is could you take your talent and turn it into skill? And could you turn your skill into performance under very difficult situations? Wow. Wow. Brian, Brian that, that, that's awesome, man. Well, you, you talk about that mindset, right? And coach talked about mission driven young people when he would go over overseas and visit the troops. Um, Obviously, that's something that's embedded in the individual. But is that something, especially as you take this knowledge to the to, to the front office and scouting, um, is this something that can be taught? You know what I mean? Or is this something that can be developed to a degree? You know what I mean? When you see maybe a player or an individual that maybe the football side, they see a lot of upside, but maybe you see some red flags on the personal side or in the character side. Can can a coach say, well, well, Brian, can, can we develop what you're looking for in this kid? You know, I think there's a saying in the, in the human resource world that says, you know, you, you hire for personality, you train for skill. Now, in football world, that would be a little bit more complicated than that because you have to have the, the prerequisites. There's just not a, a lot of yeah. people running around on earth with the height, <laughs> weight, speed requirements to do what we, what we do, right? Yeah. 
But once you do that, I mean, I think you have to, you know, look at kind of their developmental trajectory and say, I think you can train some things, but I don't think you're going, I mean, here's what I always say. This is one of the jokes I have in scouting world. Have you ever been to the stripeless uh, tiger exhibit? And they're like, no, what do you mean? I said, tigers don't lose their stripes. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they don't lose their, they don't lose their stripes. And, and I think personality is malleable within a range. Like you have a range to say it's eight to 10 mm-hmm. and your environment will control where that's expressed. But you're not going to change someone's preferences and priorities in life in the window in which you have them. You can make it better, but you're not going to change them. Now, do you now do you look back and the factors that led them to be that way? Or is it something you, you know what I'm saying? Because the, you know, maybe there was something back in their past of their childhood that triggered something that can trigger a certain response that maybe a coach has to coach them a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. When we're talking about it's not that they're necessary. We're not necessarily looking for someone that's highly agreeable mm-hmm. or extremely, you know, all these things. What we just want to make sure that they they have is the right type of mindset that's going to allow them to, to develop. Because no matter where you play college ball at and what position outside of the first couple of picks in the draft, you are a projection. You are going to have to you're, there's a development. You know, there's this transition period in which you're going to have to develop. So to me, it's, it's all about their ability to develop and perform within the construct of a team. Now, I understand in the reading and, and looking at some of the things that you've talked about that if you can share with us, you have five questions you use to evaluate <laughs> players. Can you share that with us a little bit? Yeah, so the first thing I always – so here, let me go back. What, where did those questions come from? Everybody in the league assesses character, right? right? Yeah. And we all have some sort of like grading scale, A through F or 1 through 5 or whatever it is. But you're grading the traits – to what end? To what end? Are you just grading them to degrade them? What's that mean? So my thing is, what I try to do is I try to cluster those traits and answer questions. Because when a GM is sitting there looking at, in time period zero, he's trying to predict in the next time period where this player is going to be, the upper limit of that is his talent. And the floor of that we like to refer to as his character. So what I like to do is I want to answer questions that will remove some uncertainty with that decision. And so the first thing I look to is his developmental timeline. I go back and trace him from from a child, understanding, you know, all those forks in the roads, the bumps and bruises, the people that have helped him along the way, how he's utilized resources. We always think this trajectory is this nice, steady climb. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's it's a jump and it's a plateau and it's a flat and it's a dip. And what I want to do is every time there's a jump or a dip, I want to go back and understand the circumstances because context matters. Mm-hmm. Context matters. And, you know, it's to me, I like the fact that a player has had some struggles because I work under the assumption is the farther you go right in life without failing, the more difficult it is going to be to recover. Because you haven't developed the capacity for resilience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you just think you can. So to me, I I go back and I look at the development timeline and I want to understand that. The second thing I'm going to look at is can he perform under pressure? Is he resilient? Again, I'm going to find those instances where it was tough whenever he made that transition from high school to college or he was dealing with a difficult injury or he lost his starting position or even to those situational factors in games where, you know, big, big situations and look at. You know, how did he handle that? What kind oh, of you watch the games too? You watch, you watch I, I, games, I, I, games too? I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the player and when I'm set with the scouts, I don't do okay. the X's and O's. I stay out of that. But I'll, but I'll ask him, you know, talk me through the most, you know, the most difficult situation you ever had to deal with on the field. You know, and, and he'll always give me one where he overcame it. And then I'll say, okay, now give me one where you, maybe you did the same thing, but it didn't end the same way. I'm looking for consistency. 
I'm looking for consistency and strategy and how he goes about overcoming it. And to me, really what I'm looking for is what they call post-traumatic growth. Did this player grow as a result of that adversity? You know, that's one of the things that, you know, whenever we get a player that goes on IR here, you know, I will, I will send them some reading and some things because one of the things that they worry about is just getting back to where they are. Yep. I don't say get back to where you are. Turn this adversity into an opportunity. And not only will you get back to where you are, come back better. You'll know your body better. You'll know how to prepare better. So to me, adversity is an opportunity. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm looking for people who grow as a result of that. Uh, and then, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. And then the third thing I'm looking for is, is their kind of their profile for learning and decision making. What makes football special to me and the reason why I like it so much more than all the other sports is I think hockey, basketball, and baseball are largely skill sports. They're mm -hmm. largely based on skill. Football is a tactical sport. It's about game planning. It's about scheme. It's about decision making. Yes, skill is a part of it, but nowhere in any other sport do you see that interplay there. And so to me, it's very important that a person can very quickly come on board. They can learn your scheme. They understand the concepts and they have the capacity to process what they're seeing quickly. Um, the fourth thing I look for is just if the players had some bumps along the way. Has he had any trouble along the way? I just try to understand that. What was the context? You know, what was the situation? What were the triggers? Kind of unpack all of that. And largely what I'm looking for is how much distance have they put between themselves and the issue? What is their motivation to overcome that? And lastly, what's really most important is, will our culture, will our staff and coaches, do we have the resources here to get this person the re what they need to be successful? And then I would say the last piece where I think we do a really good job is we know what we're looking for in Colts and we have this what we do in our draft cards you've been in a draft room you've seen yeah. a draft room um we have we have blue cards and blue cards when you, they stick out on the draft board because what it says it doesn't change their grade but we just say this person exemplifies everything we stand for and we've taken the time to define what that is and, and I would say greater than 50% of the players that we selected in the last three years have been those. And I think that goes a long way toward their success because I think when you really appreciate a player's approach, mm -hmm. I think more of those 50-50 balls goes the player's way. We're not as likely to give up on them mm -hmm. when, we, when we believe in them. And then the player realizes and understands that you're in the you're in with them. They don't, you know, you're not just talking at them or saying this thing is going to happen to you. You're going through the growth process with them, and and it's truly a liberating uh process with that. But just looking at your background, could you tell us some of the some of your favorite players that you scouted? Favorite, man. <laughs> I, I, I hate to be pinned down because you know by exclusion you're gonna you're gonna, know, you're gonna man, talk, you know. somebody else. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, I could I could name fifteen, but I, you know, I, I will I will limit it to a couple. Out of that first class, it would be it would be Nelson and Leonard. Yeah, man, uh, they were great. I mean, like you know, Nelson for his toughness, I thought he would change the culture, and the toughness and the approach he brings to it, the way he prepares, his intensity. You know, Darius was a juice guy. He was leadership. He was a playmaker. You know, and he overcome a lot of adversity in his life. And you know, I was willing to bet. On him, you know, I think I think we probably care like Darius more than a lot of other teams around the league, and I think one of, part of that's the talent and the scheme fit, but a part of it is we really like the player and what he stood for. Twenty nineteen class, I love Bobby Okereke. You know, that I mean, Bo Bobby is just 
Bobby is just an incredible person. His work ethic, I mean, it's one of the most disciplined people I've ever seen. Just extremely, you know, he's got high-level desire, you know, discipline, work habits, everything. He's a, he's a great teammate. And this class, I mean, who's, who's emerging as special, I would say, is JT. You know, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, yeah. for all he He's a baller, man. For all he is as a player, listen, he is a better person than he is player. And, really? and, and, and I would say this on all four of those guys, not only are they great players, and not only do they, do they raise the level of play of those around them, they're, they're just great teammates. They're just great teammates. And, and to me, that, that's, that's important because I, I do believe some people have that, they, they have a multiplying factor, right? They can make, they just can, they make the people around them better. All those guys do. Now, I, I got to ask you about the flip side of that, because you're right. If you can find, particularly when you're talking down the draft board a little bit, and like you said, the talent is what it is, but you can find that gem because you find that special relationship. You got to tell me, you don't have to put a name to it. I don't want to embarrass you <laughs> in that way, but there has to have been a time when, because I'm thinking of as a coach now, and I only have so much exposure and I'm looking at the film and I'd say, I'm seeing one hell of an athlete. And I'm thinking, boy, this guy can fit in here. And you see, is there was there a time when you had to just jump up on the table because <laughs> every fiber of your being, your 22 years said, don't, we do not want this guy. And me as the coach going, but God, look at him. Look how fast he can run. Tell me about one of those situations. There, there was one. There was one in, in 2018. I mean, Chris loves talent. You know, coach loves talent. They saw a guy, they saw the role. They were, I thought they were, I didn't think they were factoring the risk in enough. And I, and I think one of the things that we do when we think about a player, sometimes we just think of, well, will he boom or bust? But we don't realize sometimes they can be a grenade and they can mm, take others right. out with them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, powerful. And, and, and this guy, you know, I, 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 kept, I kept fighting it and I got that you know, a lot of pushback. And I, and I, I did, I just stood my ground, you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm just an advisor. I'm just, I'm just another, another voice in the room. There's so many inputs in there. I said it. And um, after the fact, we didn't go that way. And, and that player, he is, he is extremely talented, but he still hasn't seen, it. I think he's already out of the league, mm. you know? And wow. so now listen, you know, I, I would love to sit and say my batting average is, is a thousand, but it's not, <laughs> you know, so it, it's not, you know, and, 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 and you know, I'd like to, it, it's not me picking the players. It's a process. We, it, you know, ultimately it's, it's Chris's ability to take all of this information, all of this information and balance all that and ultimately make good decisions collectively as a group that allows us to do what we've been able to do. Now, now I have to ask you about scouting, and the draft, the process, and evaluating talent this year. I mean, COVID, the pandemic, um, I'm sure it's provided some special circumstances for you. How do you plan on attacking it this year with maybe limited access face-to-face with with some of the draft picks? I'm going to get my touches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to get my access to players. I mean, it's, it's going to be different. I, I would much rather um, – and, you know, in some of those settings are high payoff, right? You just can, you can get a lot done in a very, very short amount of time based mm-hmm. on the scheduling, but I, I'll get my touches. You know, you know, to me, it, it, that's one of the things in which, so I assess character in the absence of what the scouts have done. And it's only after I write my report that I integrate the two. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the two and I say, if we disagree, my first question is, do we have the same information and just are value, valuing it differently? Or does one person have information the other side doesn't? And it's typically that 
because I've taken, I, whenever I first got here, one of the things that we did was I taught my process to our scouts because to me, they're the frontline soldiers. They're the ones going in and out of the school and they're getting that. So at the end of the day, we get a 360 degree assessment. We get what position coach, school, all these people around them. Plus we also get the players firsthand take, you know, his explanations of how he got to where he was. And I think that's important. One of the things that we do when we turn on that film, we sit there and think this is, or look at his awards and accolades. We think there's his resume, right? That's what, that's what he's been able to do. But I don't think you can appreciate where somebody's at unless you understood where they come from. Yeah. You have to understand, like, you know, to me, I I love, you know, you, I mean, think about it. I mean, how many five-star recruits make it in the NFL? Few, very few. So it's those two and three-star guys who their work habits, their, their intellect, their, their study, all of that kind of preceded. And then once they matured physically and caught up, they passed the rest of those guys by. That's a great developmental profile. Well, Brian, look, man, th- thank you. No, no. You got to come by more often, man, and kind of break some stuff down for us, man. This was awesome. Like I said, I'm going I'm to have to reach out to you off the record, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, just, just kind of get, you know, pick your brain a little bit more, man, because it's awesome what you're doing. And I know the Colts players appreciate it. And what's happening is, and I know Coach appreciates it too, it's showing up on the field it's yeah. showing up uh with your with the success of your team so i definitely appreciate you that'll do it for this week's episode of total access the locker room for more insight with the locker room point of view check out the latest episodes every wednesday and friday on apple and spotify you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.